The Athletic. Hello, I'm Ian McIntosh. Welcome to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic, the podcast that's never quite brave enough to deploy ball-playing defenders. On the show today, have you ever used the database editor? I didn't even know how to find the database editor. We're talking to Freddie Sands of Sports Interactive about just how much fun you can have by poking about in the innards of the game. We've got another position of the week for you. CJ Ramson is talking Metzalas. We've got closure on both the Sunderland Challenge and the Bundesliga Challenge with your letters. And there's a visit from TIFO's Alex Stewart on the off chance that he's still talking to me after that whole YouTube thing. But more on that later. First, let's talk editors. Welcome to the show, Sports Interactive's Freddie Sands. Hello, pleasure to be on. Hello. Freddie, for anyone who doesn't know you, what exactly do you do all day? So I am the Senior Career Lead for Competitions and the Editors at Sports Interactive, which basically means uh, I'm responsible for the team testing the competitions across all 52 countries available in-game, and as part of that, testing the pre-game and in-game editing tools that are available with the game. Now, how many people do you think actually know the editor is there? Because I was sort of vaguely aware of it, but I thought it was something separate you had to download. It's kind of the hidden gem of the game, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of people don't know that pre-game editor specifically comes for free with the game. To be honest, I reckon only about 10, 20% of people kind of actually use it. There are definitely of people who nip in and have a look, but then scurry away quite frightened due to the scale of things available in there. For anyone who doesn't know where it is on Steam, Freddie, how easy is it to find? If you just go onto the library tab in Steam where your games would be, select the actual games text. There is a drop down where you can select tools to appear alongside your games. And then if you own a copy of Football Manager, you will by default own a copy of the editor for that year as well. Excellent. And, you know, as you were saying that, I've just pulled it up on my screen as well so we can see exactly how easy it is to get going. It instantly asks you to load up a database because, of course, you have the original one and then when the patches come out, you have different ones. So you very quickly do that. And then where do you go from there? What's the most common thing that people do with the editor? Well, the most common thing is to start editing the database that is available just there. So there is a database icon on the top left where if you select that it will take you to all different kinds of fields which you can then edit so for the most part people will check the players in the database and either add their own or edit the attributes to existing players um, James Chard got in touch on Twitter. He said that he likes to reassign every Premier League team into non-league to see what happens. And what happened apparently was that Norwich entered a golden age. Uh, Charlie Parsons hit upon the idea of unassigning every player from every Premier League squad and then letting the clubs fight it out for signatures in pre-season. Now, I actually tested this out and it turns out it only takes like five minutes. And I can confirm it's a very entertaining way of playing the game and then we had one correspondent who asked for his name to be withheld but let's call him uh, Mian Yakintosh to protect his true identity uh, he once replaced every Mansfield town player with his real life friends all intricately replicated and he was well over the age of 30 at the time <laughs> loser these are common stories aren't they Freddie and and it's not that hard to do this stuff no not so and the thing about the editor especially with editing data is that your imagination is basically the limit i mean there's all kinds of creative things you can do 
with it once you learn that you can mass edit as well. I'd say a classic thing, but it's become remarkably present in current times. You can edit the injuries in the database. And a common thing to do to really spice up a game world is to add a load of easily transmittable long-term injuries to a database, which might be a bit close to home in the current world, but <laughs> it's a fun thing to do to really mess up your game world and make it interesting. Um, one of the things I always used to do, and sort of tempted to do again, is just to insert myself into the game somehow. It is as easy as going to the database menu, clicking people, and then clicking add, at which point you can just basically insert a player, setting up not just their biographical details, but all of their attributes as well. And this leads to one of the great misunderstood parts of Football Manager, which is current ability and potential ability, otherwise known as CA and PA, if you've followed these conversations on Reddit. Freddie, in short, what what do they mean? Well, they're basically as close as you'll get to an indicator of how good a player is in one number or how good they will be in one number in the case of potential ability. It's some sort of algorithm which takes a player's attributes, selecting data and spits out an ability. Although smarter people than me know the actual algorithm, I must confess to not being knowledgeable on that specifically. And it's not 200, isn't it? So if it's 200, it's basically like the love child of Messi and Ronaldo. Yeah, no, it's uh, only the very best players get up to even anywhere close to 200. Most Premier League players will fall closer to 150 than 200. And potential ability, I've seen this represented a lot of ways. I would have thought that it would be, I don't know, say you, you had a promising player who you had at 130 and you thought he could get up to being a 180. But sometimes you see this number represented as like minus one. What does all that mean? Yes, so that is for particularly younger players where our researchers, basically they're not certain that they'd be able to get to a specific level. They don't have enough information because they're still young on exactly how good they're going to be. So it's just better to specify a particular range which they might be able to get to within a certain save. That means that if you start a new save game, you won't necessarily have the best young player in the world completely getting a 200 PA. There's a lot more variation from save to save. Yeah, th- this is something I've read that it, it actually doesn't matter to a certain extent what the potential ability is. What will really matter is how well they're coached and how well they're brought into the game. Is that fair? Yeah, exactly. It's not meant to be as simple as you open up the editor, look for the best youth prospects and then just uh, sign them all immediately when you start your game. Though, of course, that will help. There's loads of really easy things you can do. We talked about unassigning players, but you can also give yourself slightly easier rebuilding challenges, like giving Southend United £40 million pounds or, or something like that. You can replace teams completely. Is there anything that can go wrong? Because uh, Ryan Batty put it very well. He wrote to us and said, you, you have to be aware of the butterfly effect. You need to be very careful, he says, not to unscrew anything that turns football manager into a world of flying bat lions how do you guard against just making one alteration too many and breaking the game i mean in a sense you can't football manager is such a tightly put together simulation that any significant changes are kind of bound to have a large effect i mean small changes are usually fine but if you're ever in the process of making your own edit file and wanting to see if it will have an effect in the future always do a test run where you just let the game run for years in advance and see what happens because you can never be certain what minor differences might have an effect in the future 
what else would you do? If we're, I think we talked about quite a few things, but but are there are there any other nice easy things that people can get on and do with it? Yeah, so something that's fairly simple to do is um, messing around with the finances of clubs and see and the reputation of clubs and players. Reputation kind of being a shorthand for how well known a player or club is and how decently rated they are, and just seeing how that mess with the game world. Uh, quite a relatively common one is to redress the financial imbalance to the most powerful teams in Europe and see what happens if you equalise the finances across clubs from around the world. Another common thing to do is to mass edit the career plans of players or staff, particularly if you want them all to move to a certain nation towards the end of the game or what have you, uh, just to see what effect that has on the game world. There's also plenty of other variables. I mean, I should stress there are hundreds of variables for most data types in the editor, so you're only limited by what you can find. Exactly. This is basically your magic Thanos button. Click your fingers, do whatever you want. One thing I'm very keen to do, and also for my wife not to find out that I'm doing, is just spend a morning putting in great players of yesteryear, but all as like 18-year-olds and just chuck them out as free agents and and see what happens. Um, I mean, I really could probably do with leaving the house a little bit more, but you know, it's whatever floats your boat. Freddie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Pleasure is all mine. The Football Manager Show by The Athletic is made by The Athletic. But what is The Athletic? Well, it's basically your mothership of good journalism. You've got David Ornstein, you've got Ollie Kay, you've got Amy Lawrence, you've got Danny Taylor, you've got Carl Anker, all with the time and the resources to get properly stuck into a story. There's no clickbait here. So, what does it cost you? Well, because you listen to this show, you can get yourself a special annual deal of £3.33 a month. Just visit theathletic.com forward slash gaming. Don't forget that bit. And take advantage now. That's theathletic.com forward slash gaming for £3.33 a month. The Football Manager Show. Position of the Week. It's position of the week, and we are joined by CJ Ransom. And I've been looking forward to this one for ages because I'm old and I support what was up until recently a lower league football team and is now a non-league football team. I don't know what a Mazala is. CJ Ransom, what's a Mazala? So to put it simply, it's a central midfielder that moves into the half space on either the left or the right channel and plays in that area of the pitch, almost either cutting inside or making runs in behind in that area. Okay, why would I want that? So if you're playing in midfield three, you could have your left central midfielder move into a wide area. And especially if you're playing with an inverted winger or inside forward that cuts inside naturally and you get that combination play. Or it could also be to make the most of their skill set if you have a very technical central midfielder that can dribble and put crosses into the box as well. Then that's another time that you might want to have them into that area. Just so that everyone's got an idea of what this player is in their head, who's the most sort of natural modern day Mazala? So the most classic one that comes to mind would be Paul Pogba, especially at Juventus. Um, I watched a lot of Pogba videos when testing the role and editing it to make sure it worked correctly. And you always hear people say Pogba's best positions on the left side of a three, for instance. This would be the main reason why he uses a lot of a dribbling, will drift into the kind of left hand half space between the winger and central midfield and play from there and look to get maybe cut inside for long shots or through balls in behind. And you see the same on the right-hand side for Kevin with Kevin De Bruyne when he plays for Manchester City at times. So he'll move into that right-hand half space to put in those 
classic Kevin De Bruyne crosses to the far post. You see it work really well. There's other examples, maybe not as prolific or not as common. You see across the Premier League and especially in um, the Italian League too. It's not so much individual players in those times. It's more managers wanting players in those systems. But individual players, I see, that are typical of the role. I'd say Paul Pogba and Kevin De Bruyne are at the moment. I mean, I'm imagining that positioning and uh, the mental stats are going to be quite important for someone who's sort of drifting out of a core area. Is that fair? Most definitely. I'd say it works very similar to the type of things you'd want from your number 10 or an advanced playmaker in central midfield, so that a number eight type player. Just be aware that they're going to be in wider positions. So if I have a central midfielder and you've got good dribbling as well, I might want to play him as a Mazzala so I can get him on the ball and maybe create 1v1 situations. Or if I have a midfielder that I know is going to link well with my inside forward, for instance, then he'll be my Mazzala so I can get him closer to my left winger if he's my danger man. Is there any sort of danger in using this position? I'm I'm thinking if you were to use it in a 4-4-2 as one of your two central midfielders, that, that that would leave an awful lot of space. So that's something that came up in testing. And really, when I researched the role, it should only be used in midfield three. So we made it so it couldn't be used in a two, which was probably the better decision. But one thing I see lots of people kind of do online is play with two Mazalas. So one on the left, one on the right with a defensive midfielder. And I'd say that's really risky because it does leave a lot of space out in the middle. I mean, if you're in control and you're the dominant team, then it's a risk you can take. But it's probably not a risk I'd take myself. All right, there you go. That's Mazala and that's CJ Ransom. Thanks so much for joining us. Nice, thank you. The Football Manager Show Community Challenge. Okay, so we've learned a few things with this Sunderland Challenge. We've learned never to manage Sunderland if you want a happy life. That's a biggie. But we've also seen that the enthusiasm of the FM community can overcome any obstacle. And it cannot be tamed because, God bless you, you've all gone off at completely different speeds. You've ended up in completely different places. But my word, the adventures you've had. What sort of adventure have you had, Ian? Obviously, have you had a good adventure as, as, as everyone, the excitement everyone's had? or Producer Steve, I'm not particularly keen on talking about it. Now, why is that? Did you possibly get sacked? It, it was all going really well. I won five out of six of my first games in the championship, some by very big score lines. And then mm. I don't know what happened. I think my failure to really invest in the team started to count against me. I got injuries. I went on a 14-game run without a win, and I can't do it to myself anymore. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to console myself with the knowledge. I got Sunderland promoted at the first time of asking. But I think that they need to go into a different direction and we need to unconsciously <laughs> uncouple. I am broken. Right. I, I am it was it, it was just it was just becoming painful by the end. But you know what? Some people out there have done way better than me. And you've got a few details, haven't you? Yes, I do. So firstly, Russ23 started a Sunderland save before we even mentioned it and suggested it. And aided by Tom Bradshaw, he is top of the championship as things stand. Kev Robinson credits lovely George Dobson with his rise to the Premier League. George Dobson and 35 goals from Adam Armstrong. Nice. I saw seeing Kev get promotion. Rory Stewart, not that one, I don't think, has <laughs> finished in the top five of the Premier League twice. And he's made the quarterfinals of the Europa League. So congratulations to Rory. But very, very few 
of the people who have taken part in the community challenge could have enjoyed as storied a career as Matthew Atkinson, who left Sunderland after winning promotion to the championship, took Bournemouth back to the Premier League, skipped off to Spurs and used them as a stepping stone to Barcelona. It's the sort of thing you just have to salute, really. That's outstanding. I mean, that that is just basically the perfect football manager game. And who would have mm. thought that something so positive could come out of managing <laughs> Sunderland? Well, I wonder if Matthew actually invested in the squad as opposed to trying the Macintosh method of like, yeah, this will be fine. <laughs> That's a really low blow. <laughs> I, I, I honestly thought if I could just get through the first half season, see who could adapt and who couldn't. But no. No, that really no. went badly wrong. Um, for those people for whom it didn't go wrong, just to say the athletic office is now open and that means prizes will be outbound from today. So Neil Abbott, Brent Baldwin, Robbie Schreira, I never get that right, and Matthew Atkinson, copies of Rafa Honigstein's brilliant Bring the Noise, the Jurgen Klopp book, will be on their way later today. I'm so sorry for the delay with that unavoidable due to, you know, the whole pandemic and stuff. Listen, we're not quite done. If you haven't told us how you got on, uh, for good or for ill, then do so. Drop me an email, imacintosh at theathletic.com or contact me on Twitter, which is Ian underscore games, Ian with two eyes. And we'll wrap this up next week. And obviously, FN22 comes out. We'll be setting another challenge. Football Manager Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. All right, thank you so much for getting in touch with your questions and observations and so on and so forth. First out of the bag, producer Steve, is... FBL Baldy comes in with the first email and he messaged to say, I've just managed my most impressive piece of spit, spit housery, housery. ever in Portugal. Time-wasting, long throws and last gap defending contributed to a 1-0 victory with an XG difference of 2.19. The Football Manager Show can take some credit for this one. Thank you very much. And if you want to go back to on the Football Manager Show feed, you can find that episode a few episodes back now. CJ Rampson talking about spit. Spithousery, because we don't want our podcast to get locked away into some dark over-18s corner. (laughs) <laughs> also if if you are intrigued about what fpl baldy did there if you go onto my twitter feed i've re- retweeted it it's an incredible achievement and i'm, I'm just so proud of him <laughs> <laughs> lovely stuff and so craig wilson has messaged us as well and he has a question a training based question because i know you love training chat i do i followed your tips on training and i'm grateful for those but my question is this What bits of training to prioritise when you're managing a part-time side? Does too much fitness wreck them? And should it be a bit more match-based training? So what's the verdict here, Ian? Well, this is great because I've only very briefly managed a part-time side when I did the creator club thing for a few games. And it was a problem I came up against. I I love doing set-piece training, but when you've only got two sessions every few days, you can't really justify it. So I thought, well, let's go and ask Sports Interactive. And they said... It's all about balance with a part-time side. It's tempting just to work on fitness. But not only could you make them more injury-prone, but you would be neglecting key areas where there'd be plenty of room for improvement. 
players like variety in training and you'll probably have a few players unhappy if they're doing the same thing again and again and again. It's worth including one fitness session per week alongside a defensive focus session and an attacking session. Also, check out some of the schedules in the game because there are some that are tailor-made for part-time clubs. So hopefully that will help and get back in touch with us, Craig, when you've tried a few things and we'll, we'll pass on the information to others. Perfect. And finally, Matthew Castle has asked us, is it natural to develop an irrational hatred of players based solely on football manager experiences? So Ian, has there been a player or players you have particularly, completely unfairly taken a dislike to? Oh God, yeah. My feelings towards Weston McKenney, who um, was (laughs) out on loan for my Schalke side for the entire first season, despite being the best player in the squad. And then when he came back and I thought, I can build a team around him, he instantly demanded a transfer presumably Ooh. expecting a big club to get him. And um, he ended up at Eintracht Frankfurt, who honestly, you know, I'm no German football expert, but I don't think they're much better than us. And, you know, pounding his team 5-1 the next time we met was was genuinely one of the most pleasant experiences of 2021. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's absolutely fine. I definitely don't think that Matthew is is the only one. In fact, I've spoken to people in football journalism who have sometimes just felt a little bit of natural resistance when they've been writing about certain people because of things that have happened on their game. They've overcome it, obviously, in the interests of professionalism. But, you know, this game runs deep and you take it with you. So you are not alone, Matthew. You are not alone. Not alone. You are, however, the last person out of the letters bag. So uh, if you want to get in touch, it's imacintosh at athletic.com or find me on Twitter, Ian underscore games. The Football Manager Show Bundesliga Challenge. And now, for the very last time, gingerly lowered onto the back of the show like the last item in a hotly contested game of Buckaroo, it's the Bundesliga Challenge with Alex Stewart of the TIFO. Alex, how are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. How are you? I'm I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. It's... um, Days have passed now since we met on the TIFO £500 million Fantasy Draft Football Manager Challenge, uh, or whatever the snappier title was. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I've I've got over what was without question one of the most stressful uh, emotional roller coasters of of my relatively long life. So for anyone who hasn't seen, if you go onto YouTube and search up TIFO IRL, which you really should be subscribed to anyway, we made a three-part series of us playing Fantasy Draft, me, Alex, JJ Bull and Joe Devine. You know Fantasy Draft, you get a big pile of money and you take turns in selecting players. And um, it all got a bit real and it, it all looks fantastic, not for anything that we've done, but because of the videographer Don Ma, who's an absolute genius. It really is worth a look. And if you haven't watched it, we're going to talk about it now. So go and watch it and then come back and listen to this podcast later. But Alex, I think that's the most archetypal FMing I've ever seen. It was the cliche, wasn't it? It was <laughs> your goalkeeper, David De Gea, pulled out one of the all-time great performances. We got, I don't know what, like three times your XG, four times as many corners. We outshot <laughs> you, we outpassed you. <laughs> and somehow, somehow, uh, right at the death when we were 1-0 up, Wilfred and Didi, who I love, still I love him, um, gifted possession to your secret weapon um not so secret by that point actually because he'd, he'd come up trumps for you several times brian gill 
yeah, then the momentum shifted. And I don't want to talk about what happened afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> it's, we, we had a load of people on Twitter who were going, oh, this is just evidence that the game is broken. I think it's evidence that the game isn't broken because remember Chelsea in the Champions League final against Bayern Munich? Remember QPR beating Derby in the playoffs? And, and remember a million and one other games? It's, it's just football. If you don't take your chances, you, you can get punished. But the thing that really struck me about the whole experience was after the first game and watching back the videos of the first game did you take a lot more care about what you did and what you said while you were managing I felt almost like a real manager with the camera on you all the time you're you're very very aware of what what you're doing with your face yes I think that's probably true I mean it's always that weird thing isn't it that where football manager when you're sat in your room at home playing it by yourself for yourself is a relatively straightforward game you know it's It has its complexities, obviously, but as soon as you expose yourself to being watched by others, it just takes on this whole other stress level and pressure. Um, And the observation means, yeah, like you're, you're very, very conscious. I was very, very conscious. I mean, I kind of, I don't know, I tried to keep the tactics relatively simple um, because I think, and I actually, I don't know if this is true, but the idea that you're throwing together a squad of players who have never played before and so on. So keeping it relatively simple uh, doesn't confuse them and means that they adhere better perhaps to the tactical plan. I don't know if that actually holds true or not, but it was what I was doing. But I just, yeah, I just felt like like it had to go right and it didn't. Because <laughs> it well, never think- does. You know, the, the the important thing is that we've now established who's best at football manager in the office, and I think it's time that we shut that competition down and never played it again. I mean, your your record against me in like what what there's a there's a German word and I can't remember, but it's like a beautiful um, expression for your your bogey team, and you're my bogey team, irrespective <laughs> irrespective of what team you're actually playing as. I don't think I've ever beaten you in a one-off game and I think that might be true yeah that's despite yeah. the fact that that in terms of playing challenges and so on like I you know I'm I'm pretty good and obviously Stuttgart finished above Schalke well, that's another spoiler yeah um, but that, that's a lovely way of, of bringing us to the Bundesliga challenge is that actually uh, as I think we all knew two months before the end of the season Stuttgart finished the season like a like, well, like a German train as opposed to a British train. Um, <laughs> whereas whereas Schalke just ran out of steam completely and didn't win any of their last six games. You came fourth, I came fifth. I mean, it's an incredible achievement. You, you took a newly promoted team that were so not ready for the Bundesliga that they were almost relegated in the first season. And then you got them into Champions League football in the second season. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm not rubbish. Um, <laughs> but so, what was the secret? Was it was it your recruitment, or was yeah, it that highly no. aggressive four two four? Well, that that definitely helped, and I do think there's something in this version of FM where that kind of hyper aggressive system and and either a four four two or a four two four is a key to unlocking certain things. Obviously, if you've got Silas on the right wing, that is a significant help. But the recruitment really came up trumps. Ricardo Rodriguez, who mostly played as a left-back, but also as a left-centre-back. Per Scherz, Fabian Nürnberger, uh, Matthias Arezzo. Like, 
I didn't make a signing for the first team that didn't bed in really, really well. That was very exciting. And and the average age of the squad was something like 23. You know, it was, I, I was sort of building for the future as well, because that's that's how I like to do stuff. So, yeah, it was it was great to finish as high as we did. But I still lost all four games against you. <laughs> and this is kind of my point. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter how well I do overall. I will always fail. Uh, maybe you've got some kind of weird psychological hold over me or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. Um, it might just be luck, of course, of which I had none towards the end of the game. And I think that we fell away partly because we're playing a sort of extreme counter-press in every game of the season. We fell away partly because we had injuries to almost every key player. And also because, you know, I'm not actually very good at this game. But fifth, I think fifth for Schalke was still a decent finish. I think there would have been something to build on. It just all got a bit Leicester City, you know, Brendan Rodgers uh, towards the end of the season there. It was a bit, it was a bit depressing. That is the end of the Bundesliga challenge. And we did have a couple of people get in touch. I was looking for their names while I was talking there. I don't know if you could hear me multitasking and I couldn't find it. So sorry if if you wrote in to say, why are we stopping? Um, There's a whole load of reasons. Uh, First of all, FM21 is coming to the end of its natural life cycle. And we just want to be ready for FM22. When that game drops, we're going to be doing loads and loads of stuff. And we didn't want to be sort of halfway through a season of of the old game. It was also hosted on my old uh, MacBook and it was getting really, really slow. I'm very fortunate to have one of those lovely Razer 17s now that can manage loads of different leagues. So we can get it hosted on that and it'll be, be much better. It also means that we can provide videos of the games because on that old Mac, they were very flickery. Uh, we had some very boring technical issues. I'm not going to drag you through but it made the story hard to follow if you joined too late so we've we've got a better way of filing every episode and we will be back fm22 is coming up we don't know anything more than the fact that we're going to be playing as premier league teams this time we're, we're coming home alex have you got any early thoughts of of what would make for a good challenge well it depends how hard you want to make it for yourself and me i suppose <laughs> not hard um, at all make it easy not hard at all make it easy uh, <laughs> i mean the the league's obviously going to be won by chelsea or man city isn't it so that would be really i don't know i'm feeling maybe a little bit north london derbyish possibly oh that could be interesting like a sort of total rebuild yeah i also like in terms of rebuilds i really like what crystal palace have done in the window irl this window so they've sort of caught my eye massively reduced their average age profile got rid of the older guys on big wages and brought in some exciting young players Southampton also my own team have have done something not dissimilar so I guess it depends what sort of narrative path we want to take but that is of course the joy of the game is that you can do whatever you like really Absolutely. If you've got any ideas of what you'd like to see out there, do let us know. Usual way, Ian underscore games on Twitter and iMacintosh at The Athletic. Should also say, because of the incredible work of the mad scientist and his 2001 database, we're going to be running a little bit of a mini-series just to get us over the hump and get us to the, the new game. So I've taken on West Ham on that and you will see that, I think, tomorrow on The Athletic. Alex, thank you so much for... Um, yeah, just just being there because we played a lot of this through lockdown. It was absolutely the highlight of my week to play that link up game. 
Yeah, it was um, it was a real object lesson in in creative ways to stay in touch with people. And uh, I, yeah, I think certainly in in some of the darker hours, it was like that's a thing I can look forward to. That'll be a good couple of hours. I might end up at the end having been beaten by Schalke once more and in a state of some disrepair, but it's better than not doing it. And that is our show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed it, uh, leave a review or give us a mention on social media. Or, you know, just, just tell someone with your real life voice. We'll be back next week. We've got loads of great stuff lined up as we await news on Football Manager 22. Your producer today was Steve Hankey. Your guests were Freddie Sands and CJ Ramson and Alex Stewart of the TIFO. I continue to be in Macintosh. Thank you for listening. Athletic.